Hello and welcome back to Olympic Size, the unofficial, unlicensed, unaffiliated with the IOC, True History of the Olympics. As ever, I'm your host, Bridget Natalie, and with me is recurring guest, uh, Frank Costello. And without uh, Sarah this time, because she has a more active social life than us, and this is, I mean, even Frank is going to have to leave soon, so... <laughs> We're trying. It's the coordination has been difficult since people can, you know, do things again. It's amazing. Okay. I'm starting to second guess that um, people can do things again. I mean, that might yeah. not be the best policy. Yeah, that's true. Is that one of our stories? Do we know what the fallout has been from the events in Tokyo? Uh, we have the official numbers. Great. Uh, which I don't think are accurate, but we'll get we'll get there. Uh, the very empty closing ceremonies have completed, the dust is settling, uh, the Paralympics are actually currently ongoing. Uh, the oh, closing ceremonies were particularly empty because athletes were required to leave within 48 hours of their final competition. So even if they wanted to stick around, they were not allowed. Uh, because of COVID, was, it was one of yeah. the things. Uh, usually, part of the closing ceremonies is the men's marathon, which finishes its final lap into the uh, stadium, but they didn't do that this time. I'm not sure exactly what they did with it. Instead, they had the men's and women's medal ceremonies for the marathon at the closing. The men's marathon still happened, though, right? Because oh, yeah. that's where we get, I would say, surprisingly, most of our anecdotes and stories <laughs> from the the historical events. Yeah, um, they they both did happen. We haven't even gotten to the era where they allow women to run marathons yet because we're still um, in our historical series stuck in the, like, you can't let a woman run that long, her uterus will fall They're, out times. Look, look, for the amount of brandy and strychnine that they were giving those people, like, <laughs> maybe that was a good <laughs> That's true. Um, uh, the Both events were dominated by perennial favorite in the distance events, Kenya. A lot of the athletes will have to quarantine for weeks when they get back, depending on the local situation, um, which is, you know, a bummer. The official COVID count was 430 positive cases for the entire games. Uh, most of those were local volunteers. There are probably more cases that haven't emerged yet. I think everybody was getting tested pretty regularly, so I don't think it's anybody who avoided getting tested at all. But again, this is, we all know how this goes, that, you know, you get infected and you don't test positive for weeks. That's part of the problem with this particular illness. So um, we don't, I mean, that's just what they say. I don't know. We don't have final numbers yet. If, it, if we'd only delayed the recording of the episode for a few <laughs> more weeks, we could have the trailing indicators. Or I don't think they're going to, I don't know if I could find that information. I think they've, they've said, this is what it is. And we're, any, any new cases, we're not going to count these as Olympics. Um, it's still not clear how much the Olympics directly impacting the, impacted the worsening situation in Tokyo. Uh, that definitely didn't help. But whether or not athletes coming in brought COVID with them, I don't think is particularly clear because the situation in Tokyo, when they got there, was already so bad. So, uh, one who isn't going home is Belarusian sprinter... Um, going to do my best. She's got a lot of uh, syllables in her name. Uh, Christina Zimanuskaya. And it took me some digging to find out what happened and why. Beyond the fact that Belarus is currently being run by a dictator, President Alexander Lukashenko. He's kind of a Soviet throwback type. 
There were a lot of protests against him last summer, but Zimanuskaya didn't participate in any of them. She says now it was shameful of her, but she was just so focused on getting to the Olympics and competing that she stayed clear of any of it. And she didn't say anything to criticize the regime while at the games either. What happened was that some of the Belarus, some of the women's 4x400 meter relay team from Belarus were ineligible to compete due to not having enough, having had enough drug tests. So the coaches put Zimanuskaya in without telling her. And in a press event, she criticized this. She didn't appreciate being put into a race without being notified. Sorry. They told her at some point. I mean, at some point she found out she was supposed to run in it. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't like she stumbled across the finish line not having realized she competed. No. She, I mean, <laughs> this was, she, um, this is all before. So somehow she found out she's supposed to run it. I, and what, from what she said, I don't think the coaches told her. So she's reading the schedule of events in Tokyo I think is on it, one of those cardboard beds and say, hey, my name is here. Yeah. I think it probably was something like that or somebody said, aren't you going to practice? You know, like <laughs> it, she says it wasn't from the coaches. Within an hour of her publicly criticizing the coaches, she was being driven to the airport to get sent back home, preventing her from competing in her actual event. They said it was for her health. And I don't know if I wrote what it is. I think her event was a 200 meter race. Her grandmother called her when she was at the airport and told her it wasn't safe for her to come home, that they were going to say she had a nervous breakdown and sent her to an asylum. Uh, which I don't know what the state of mental health care is in Belarus, but it doesn't sound like they had her best interest in heart. I don't know that they even need to use actual mental health facilities for this kind of a thing. It sounds like... She was just going to get disappeared. Yeah. She refused to get on the plane and defected to Poland. Uh, The Polish government has been supportive of people resisting Lukashenko's dictatorship. So she went. They she got taken to the 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 Japanese authorities cooperate with her and took her to the Polish embassy, and then she went from there to uh, Warsaw, where her husband has joined her. Although her grandmother is still in Belarus, so you know, keep her in your thoughts, I guess. Um, and someone who does not know whether or not he'll be returning to Paris in 2024, where the next games are going to be, is Connor Fields a BMX rider who was in a horrific crash that left him with brain damage. He hit the ground and was knocked unconscious. Two other riders hit him before they were able to get him off the track. I think where he was, they couldn't see him until it was too late. Uh, He's recovering at home in Nevada and seems to be doing all right, but will not commit to another Olympics at this point. Like, he he suffered brain injury. That's... Yes, it could be career-ending. I mean, I'm glad he seems to be doing that right. Yeah. I'm thinking of the previous story and just the the bad PR management of... You're definitely getting more criticism for this than you would have for the coach. The coach is not a protected individual. Just let the coach take some slack. Yeah. Don't that, do this. Yeah, that's what I... When I mentioned this to my husband, he was like, that coach is a buddy. So one of the coaches <laughs> is a buddy of Lukashenko. That's oh. probably what happened. It's, it's some boys club crap. That makes sense. That's that's what he thinks, and I that you know is a pretty. I mean, unless they're so controlling that you can't criticize anybody in any position. But then they should be better at it than this. Yeah, yeah, then yeah. <laughs> they, you would think they would tell her at least, <laughs> like. And somebody who came back from a break, we talked. 
somebody who came back from a break, we talked about this in the last episode, was Simone Biles. She was able to compete uh, she was able to practice in complete seclusion at the gym at Juntendo University and felt confident enough to continue on in the balance beam event. If you watch her routine, you'll see on the dismount that she clutches her legs during the flip. That's to prevent herself from twisting in the air as she was still not confident in her ability to land that dismount. Because apparently the flip she was comfortable with but the twist was throwing mm. her off um she still won the bronze which was really remarkable she was able to do this because of an arrangement with kazuhiro aoki of juntendo university who was able to set it up that she was able to practice at the university's gym with absolutely nobody there except her coaches and medical staff nobody knew she was there there was no press there was no other teammates it was just coach and people around to like patch her up if she got hurt Certainly one of the better possible outcomes that she was able to come back and compete. Yeah. And, I mean, winning is kind of a bonus at that point. Just the fact that she was back and competing safely is, yeah. is great. And somebody who is retreating from the public eye for reasons similar to why Bile struggled in the first place is British swimmer Adam Peaty. He was the first British swimmer to defend an Olympic gold medal, swim winning in the 100-meter breaststroke. So he... he so, yeah, I mean, Great Britain's been in the Olympics since 1896. It was the first time a swimmer's gotten a gold medal two Olympics in a row. Which is weird, because they're an island. Yeah, There's you would so think much be water. Like... <laughs> That's how it works, right? <laughs> I mean, the Australians figured it out. <laughs> he says he's averaged about two weeks off a year for the past seven years, and is taking the month off to mentally recover. Um... He is getting some blowback from the agitprop types who are also going after Simone Biles, but not as much, you know. Who who could imagine why a white man wouldn't get as criticized as much as a black woman? On Twitter? Yeah, <laughs> or just in, like... perfectly equitable website? And op-eds oh. and stuff like that. Um, another group who may need a break, whether it's voluntary or enforced, uh, after this, is everybody involved in the equestrian events, especially modern pentathlon. <laughs> So, this is where we're going to really be missing Sarah. There was a statue of a sumo wrestler near the jumping course that was spooking the horses, causing issues for a lot of the riders. It was a larger-than-life statue, and he was in, like, the position where they're kind of, like, leaning forward mm -hmm. with their arms out and, like, uh, grimacing. And, yeah, it scared the horses. <laughs> and I mentioned this to somebody, and they were like, oh, because it looks like a bull. <laughs> getting ready to charge it does give me an idea for a new olympic event horse sumo <laughs> horse versus sumo i you know there's a lot of ways that we could take this this name of a sport and i think they're all good <laughs> but the major issues happen in modern pentathlon the genesis we've talked about where modern pentathlon comes from it was the genesis was in pre-world war one europe where they designed an event to reflect the skills of the modern military officer uh, what they should be able to do. There's a foot race, a swimming race, an equestrian event, fencing, and pistol shooting. As part of the fantasy this event is based on, the athletes are... Because the idea is, like, it's supposedly based on... But that's what soldiers do in pulp adventure stories yeah, and war movies. So that's yeah. what they're going to do in the Olympic they had version a, of things. They had a story of some French officer who was caught behind enemy lines and he had to get back... And so he stole a horse, and he fenced a guy, and he shot a gun, and he swam across a river, and he ran. You know, like that's what modern pentathlon is based on. And so part of part of the event 
is the athletes are randomly paired with horses to show their riding prowess with an unfamiliar animal. Because in this Mm -hmm. story... Because you're stealing an enemy horse. Exactly. So what happened this year was pretty awful. A German pentathlete ended up paired with a horse she just could not ride. Um, And I was reading another article about this where they said that as soon as she entered the arena where she's supposed to ride this horse, it started balking and showing signs that it was in pain. Um, And she panicked and her coach told her to like hit it with the crop harder. And this horse had already been able to like back out of like, um, or like they, the horse balked at like practice or something and they, they let it, uh, they took it out of competition or whatever. And, and people are saying like, oh, that just teaches the horse it can get away with it. But it's like. Yeah, maybe the horse should be able to get away with not competing. Yeah. I kind of was under the impression that. They got horses who like to run to do this, at least more or less. Yeah, and, you know, and it could be that the way it was bridled, it was unfamiliar with, and it was hurting, or, like, you know, they get ulcers in their stomachs. They, she could have cinched it too tight on the saddle. You have to put your own tack on. Um, so, anyway, there are a lot of reasons why this horse could have been balking. But the point is, hitting it harder isn't going to help, which is, it did not help. Um... In the course of the breakdown, where she ended up reduced to tears, one of the German coaches punched the horse. This is a this is a coach of an equestrian event. This yeah, this is her coach. Like the number one group of people who should know not to punch a horse. <laughs> the, I um and so she went from first place to thirty first place. She went mm-hmm. to dead last because of she just totally scratched one fifth of the pentathlon. It, it has always been a little weird to me that it, it kind of seems like a. Unfamiliar horse is RNG. It's weird that there's that much RNG in an Olympic sport. But it's supposed to show what a good horseman you are, and she could not then show that. Feel, mm, <laughs> like, yeah. but it, okay, if you encounter this kind of a horse when you're escaping from enemy lines, you would get you a steal different a different horse. Yeah, <laughs> she should have stolen the competitor's horse. <laughs> Shows that she's really a, the they model should, of a. They should run to the horse stable, and then they have to steal a horse out of the pool of horses. <laughs> Give them, like, N plus five horses for N athletes. So she can be the very model of a modern major general? Yes. (laughs) We got there. (laughs) Anyway, the IOC is now in the process of sanctions against him, which may result in a lifetime ban. I think it's most people expect that. Um, But I don't think they've made their official announcement yet. There's also currently a push to replace the equestrian part of the event with rock climbing. Is that something that modern major generals are more likely to do? I think they're more likely than they are to ride a horse. Where are they going to find one? Well... How many modern major generals know how to ride a horse? It's just not a thing that we do anymore. In battle, anyway. Um, We should also replace the pistol with an Uzi. I don't know. What's a modern gun? We still shoot guns. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I... Wait. I guess I did make an assumption there. Do they not use old tiny guns? Well, I think a revolver hasn't changed too much. That's I don't. Fair. An officer has a sidearm. They don't usually carry like an AK, like <laughs> or assault rifle. Um, anyway, the biggest protest story because we talked about this how they were talking about ban- they had banned a lot of forms of protest and whether or not that was ethical and how. If you allow a protest, it's no longer a protest. So, uh, But the biggest protest story was when Raven Saunders, um, she won a silver medal in women's shot put. 
and during the medal ceremony, she lifted her arms over her head and crossed them in the form of an X. She said the X represented the intersection in which all oppressed people meet. And for a couple days, there was an IOC investigation into this, and there was, was the possibility that they were going to strip her of her medal. Um, uh, which she was joking about, they're going to have to catch me to get it. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I, I physically have it so i, I don't know what you're and she says something about how i can't swim but i can run <laughs> like i've already mailed it back to my home address you can't take it from me but uh before they had finished their deliberations saunders mother died so in an uncharacteristically gracious move the ioc suspended all inquiry into saunders protest and will not be sanctioning her is it still is it true that you just can't protest on the podium in any form or think, were they worried about the specific gesture not being a recognized thing that they were concerned about alternate meetings no i think you're not allowed to protest at all like they mm. they yeah so roundup of team events canadian women won gold in soccer which was a huge surprise <laughs> Um, a lot of my Canadian friends were very excited. And, uh, they said, you probably didn't even know about this. And I was like, yes, I, I, <laughs> I run a podcast. The number of people in my life, like I try, I feel like maybe I should be more obnoxious about reminding people that this podcast exists. Of course, we didn't update in 18 months, so maybe they forgot. Um, <laughs> like, but this uh, medal is also is the first gold medal for an openly trans athlete. Quinn, uh, one name only, I looked this up, they, I cannot find any other name for them, as far as I know, it's just Quinn, uh, is a non-binary athlete who plays for the women's team, and I don't know how the IOC determines where to put non-binary team athletes. I or also even, don't know that. Or even non-binary athletes in general, like, I don't know how many have been in the Olympics. I don't know what the IOC standards are for that. This is probably a problem that they avoided for a long time by having two options on an application form <laughs> and no one really wanting to put in the effort to not pick one of them for convenience. Or maybe maybe the non-binary athletes just focused on the co-ed events. Also not. <laughs> like they're just all equestrians. Yeah. I, I suspect that <laughs> effort yon, was yon. put in by this person to get recognition as a non-binary athlete. I know that they've revised a lot of their standards recently, um, which is how, um, was it Lauren Hubbard, I think her name was, who was the um, weightlifter from New Zealand, how she was able to compete. Um, and there are certain medical uh, tests you have to undergo to uh, determine whether or not you can compete in your, um, when you transition in your uh, gender side it's i think the more people start to question and express gender in ways that are outside of the binary um of assigned at birth um the more complicated this is going to get so and of course the ioc is going to make just very humane and uh reasonable uh accommodations for these people no we're we're in the same Olympics as the previous discussion about multiple ways they got this wrong oh, in yeah. these games. Yeah, no. It's... 
Yeah, no, it's awful. Um, but yeah, but Quinn, Quinn has has their gold medal. So, so there you go. Brazil won gold in the men's men's soccer, which was not a surprise. <laughs> uh, Japan won gold in baseball and softball, which was also not exactly a surprise, but definitely something that really meant a lot to them. Um, There's going to be so many good baseball mangas coming out of this. <laughs> and softball. There are a lot of them running already. Yeah. It's just going to be a great arc. <laughs> the Olympic arc. I read it. Oh, yeah. Uh, America won gold in women's basketball and men's, defeating France for the gold medal, who had beaten them earlier in the tournament. Uh, Kevin Durant became the highest-scoring Olympic athlete in basketball's history in the process. Because I think this is his third Olympics. So his all-time total. Oh, he has a running total of points. Yeah, that he is the all-time highest-scoring uh, Olympic basketball player. So they, yeah, they did get their act together. They kind of hit hit all cylinders at exactly the right time. <laughs> a couple of surprise wins. Uh, Niraj Chopra of India won gold in javelin. It's the first gold medal for India in any track and field event. Uh, Norwegian. Again, I'm going to try. Jakob Ingebrigtsen won gold in the men's 1,500-meter race, beating out longtime Kenyan rival Timothy Churyut. And as part, of con as part of the congratulations, Churyut gave Ingebrigtsen his beaded bracelet, which had, like, the Kenyan flag on it. Oh. They were on the track, and, and they have their, their flags, you know, that they're running around the track with, and he... Pulled him over and just took his bracelet and gave it to they he uh Chariot had beat Ingebrigtsen something like 15 times and then uh 16 times was a charm for him <laughs> so it was like kind of recognition i think another real um storybook kind of outcome rivalry i guess at that point you're just hoping that does he retire now like is this like going know. out on top or is he just is there a rubber band match? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Do they meet again? <laughs> this time Ingebrigtsen has like a Norwegian bracelet. <laughs> That's on the line. <laughs> uh, not an upset, but a notable achievement is Allison Felix won her 11th medal, making her the most decorated track and field athlete ever. Uh, that record was previously held by Carl Lewis, who had 10 gold medals. Uh, or 10 medals, not all gold. But yeah, she's the most decorated not just American, but any country, track and field athlete. Um, 2020 marked the largest number of openly LGBTQ athletes competing. One of the medalists was Filipina boxer Nesti Patecio, Patecio, who was the first Filipina to medal in boxing when she won the silver in the featherweight division. She dedicated her win to the LGBTQ plus community worldwide. And uh, finally, someone who didn't medal but had a uh, huge accomplishment was Maha Hadoui of Morocco, who scored a hole in one during her during the golfing competition. Is that a first? It's not a first. She okay. ended up finishing forty third overall, but she's the only one to get a hole in one. Uh, Sorry, I meant is it a first hole in one? In Olympic history. No. Okay. It, she was the only one to get a hole-in-one at this Olympics. Got it. Uh, but is the second one in history with Justin Rose scoring one in 2016. 
So they can now also form a very exclusive club. Yes, it's more exclusive than the Olympic gold medal winners. <laughs> so, and that's all I got. Um, I know there is more, and this is late, but... I mean, that's a... It's kind of a lightning rundown of some of the notable events. So we've got some... Honestly, like, a much more uplifting set of outcomes here than I kind of anticipated going in. I really thought this whole game was going to crash and burn, like, a quarter of the way through. Yeah, and a lot of the athletes have attributed a lot of the game's success specifically to the Tokyo Volunteers. They worked very, very hard under incredibly difficult circumstances to keep things going. There was a woman, uh, a volunteer... God, I didn't, I didn't get this out. There was somebody who went to the wrong place. Let me see if I can find this. And he, he went to the wrong place and a volunteer drove him to the right place so he could compete and he ended up winning a gold medal, which he then dedicated to the volunteer. So let me see if I can find it. So oh, that must have been a roller coaster of a day. <laughs> right. I'm just imagining showing up like I if I show up to like the wrong conference room at work, I feel bad. I can't imagine being at like the wrong stadium in the Olympic venue. Yeah, that's like you probably have dreams about it. Well, he will now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Th search with Google. Okay, it's searching everything on my tablet. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. You'll fix it in post. Yeah. I thought I had all my notes written up, and I'm glad I, um, I'm glad I checked because I had none of them written up. <laughs> see if this gets it up. Yeah. Right. yeah. Given that the games were able to run to completion, though, I do hope that at least the folks in Tokyo or maybe just Japan broadly like feel good about hosting them. It's normally a, a point of somewhat national pride I, I think. There are a lot of the Olympians were saying that they want to go back. Well great for the tourism industry is a little bit of a deferred bonus because I don't think you're okay. allowed back to visit at the moment. Yeah okay here we go. Um, it, we, he was a Jamaican where are we? Is this a paywall? Okay. Jamaican athlete. 31-year-old um, had been listening to music and made a mistake. Where is this? He took the wrong bus. Oh, no. And he faced a nine-kilometer journey back to the stadium. You know, as someone who has used the public transit in Tokyo, <laughs> it is extremely efficient and extremely complicated. So if you don't know what you're doing... You could end up somewhere very different very quickly. So he, this was for the semifinals. He almost missed the semifinals. Hansley Parchment um, took the wrong bus, ended up nine kilometers away, and um, I don't... Okay, and this name is long and... Okay, so he eventually... Okay, so he took the he took the bus. He was a hundred or nine hundred. Yeah. Nine kilometers or nine hundred kilometers. This is an important nine, distinction because now I have the number for his uh, event in my head. Mm. So he's he's in a totally wrong place. He was listening to music. He zoned out. Ended up nine kilometers away from the stadium. Was going to miss the semifinals. So he's like 
losing his mind. And uh, Tiana Kawashima Stokovich paid Hansley Parchment's taxi fare um, to send him back to the stadium. He made it in time. He progressed to the finals and he won the gold medal for the 110 meter hurdle race. And um, the, and I mean, I, I, we've talked a little bit about Jamaica's unbelievable track and field program. They treat like high school track and field championships, like the Super Bowl. Like I was, I saw some footage of it where they are like weeks ahead of time for champs. They'll have like <laughs> special reports and stuff. Like it's track and field is a huge deal in Jamaica. So when this woman helped them win another gold medal, um, Tiana and and a or Tijana and a guest of her choice will be treated to an all-expense-paid trip, which will include luxurious and cultural experiences across the island. The Jamaican Tourism Ministry tweeted, <laughs> "They will enjoy an experience that spans four parishes and five hotels, including the Royalton's Diamond Club Butler service, presidential suite in Negril, stunning vistas, and exceptional service at the Half Moon and Iberostar Star hotels in Montego Bay, as well as the Moon Palace in Ocho Rios and the AC Marriott Hotel in Kingston." So, the Montego Bay hotel rooms cost about five hundred dollars a night. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's um. I mean, if there's ever a place where they, it would be nice if they felt, the the desire to um, people express like, appreciation. <laughs> yeah, people like to uh, believe in karma. So like, <laughs> I helped someone out when they were panicking and their country now owes me a life debt or whatever. They, they don't, they was, I mean, I don't think, I don't think she even expected to get paid back for the no, cab fare. No, that's what I mean. Like, it's just like, oh, well, this would be a good story for me to have helped this person. Yeah. And then, like, later you're, like, to a bar. Oh, yeah, I gave them a ride back to the, sorry, he's, what? <laughs> and now, like, you're getting called by the Jamaican Tourism Ministry. Like, so you want to come visit sometime? Like, we want to express our appreciation for that $20 cab fare that you paid. Like, it's... Okay. Um, like, if, if they'd gotten silver, we'd put you up for a weekend at, like, a Hilton. But if gold, <laughs> you're coming to the big vista. And it's also, I mean, but it's also, like, Jamaica, it's like, I mean, they do really well in track and field. Like, so it's not like... It's not like a gold medal is particularly rare for them in, in these events. So, but it just means a lot. Like they're fanatical about track and field, and they're very good at it. So, like it pays. You know, they get a lot of return for their interest. So, I, I do want to like do some research into like why that is. Why Jamaica? Um, why they have such an exceptional program, and why it is such a culturally um, significant thing there. Is that a trend that has started yet where we are in the historical timeline or no. not? So maybe we'll see it pick up as we go through yeah. some of the older year-over-year -year ones. Yeah, because there's no other Caribbean nation that has that same kind of deal. Like, I mean, I saw more Bahamas athletes show up in various places, but they are, I mean, Jamaica's really dominant. Like, they're on par with, like, the U.S. and um, Russia when they're allowed to compete and so you know what I mean? Like, and they, they've been breaking into more of, because they always had really good sprinters 
really good at the short events, short distances, but they've been, I've seen more of them showing up in, in the long distances too, which are usually dominated by Africa. Hmm. Um, or Africa, clearly not just Africa, the continent, but African athletes. Like, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I, I'm not really sure what the story is there though. And I would like to know more about it. Well, consider that foreshadowing for the <laughs> regular series of episodes. Yeah, and um, 2022 is the next set of games. I assume that because they've already started printing merchandise of the, <laughs> the dates, they couldn't push everything back by one. China's not going to let that happen. China's not pushing anything back for anybody. <laughs> they, they, had, they started planning this a while ago. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I don't think that there's any um, very famous cyberpunk post-apocalypse stories where China has 2022 Olympics <laughs> that are canceled, so there's not, like, an Akira equivalent yeah. for that set of games. That I just knocked on wood. <laughs> you know, now, now have... is the time to publish a, a manga or film where the 2022... China Olympics are deferred because of plague or something. <laughs> Time to get that, uh, was it, C-drama machine going. <laughs> no, um, yeah, there's a, I mean, I don't, I can't say for sure that there isn't anything like that, but it's definitely not as famous as Akira, so. <laughs> Besides, that joke is probably only funny once. And even then, it wasn't really it was, funny when it happened in real life now. <laughs> no, it was more like, please, I don't want this post-apocalyptic future. There are others that looked a little more fun than Akira. <laughs> so, um, and then the next summer games in Paris. So it's like the first time in a while the games have been out of Asia. Like it was um, Tokyo. Or, okay, so Beijing twenty twenty two, Tokyo twenty twenty, uh, twenty eighteen Pyeongchang, and then. They were in Seoul at some point. Relative. Seoul was a while ago. Was it? Pyeongchang was the Korean South South Korean uh, Winter Games in twenty eighteen. Oh, I guess Rio in twenty sixteen. I was mixing it up with um, the last Beijing Games, which mm. were Summer Games. I'll have to look that up. How many cities have hosted both a Summer and a Winter Games? There's not too many. No, there's not a lot of overlap in facilities, so you kind of have to go from scratch for each one, right? Yeah. They, um, don't, they don't run Skeleton in Summer Games, unfortunately. No, no, that kind of track is not going to be the same, but I was thinking of things like speed skating. You could probably repurpose, like, a, a velodrome mm. or something. Um, or, like, the... The, um... What you call it? I'm blanking. Gymnastics. And other... In, the other In the inside events, you could probably repurpose those facilities. That's fair. Um, but, yeah, there aren't a whole lot of outside winter games that aren't like downhill or through the woods <laughs> so I'm not really sure where they're going to do those they, they must they're going to be going outside the city for the downhill stuff I think I don't or the at least the cross country skiing they're not going to do it through Beijing although that would be very cool that would be very cool <laughs> I don't want to know what they would have to do to get enough snow in there to make it <laughs> so that you could ski on I feel like there's a lot of stories about weather machines again but that that seems like twitter misinformation i don't know how much actual fake snow you can manage well we'll see 
I mean, there, yeah, and then the the half pipe and stuff. You could probably um, repurpose skate parks for the for the snowboarding. Yeah, so. for the uh, X Games that are now sufficiently square as to be included <laughs> in the Olympics. You know, I was thinking about that, and I, you know, what I think part of my issue is that like the thing about Olympic sports is they cost money, and skateboarding for a long time was dominated by people who did not come from money mm, some Olympic sports certainly cost money there is a history of being able to fund your own athletic pursuits because you weren't allowed to have been paid for them yeah Um, I think I think that's probably been not as I mean soccer doesn't cost anything that's why it's popular literally everywhere with every demographic and then you see, like, um, a lot of the track and field is relatively less expensive. That's why you see a lot of the Global South doing better there, because they don't have the resources mm. to fund something like a really good diving program. Like, so, yeah, I, I, don't think, I don't think it's a problem for less expensive hobbyist sports to enter the Olympics. I, I do. It is a question of the influence of money in sports and what then seems accessible to people who don't have it, what they can participate in and what gets co-opted by um, people of means Hmm. making it therefore inaccessible to other people. You know what I mean? Like I don't, are we throwing shade at Tony Hawk? I literally can't tell. No, I wasn't. Tony Hawk made his money by skateboarding. So (laughs) no, he, 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 I think he was like kind of a suburban type. A lot of his contemporaries, though, were like dirt poor. Mm. Um, Tony Hawk um, had a lot of influence from his father, um, basically keeping him from the same kind of lifestyle mistakes that a lot of his contemporaries made, which is why they're not licensed on video games and stuff (laughs) and doing Olympic commentary. Because some of them aren't alive anymore because of these lifestyle choices they made. So, or they're in jail. But, I mean, the point is, is that, um... The point is, we would recognize Tony Hawk in an airport. I would recognize Tony Hawk in an airport, making me one of the... And Frank would, too. We're very rare among people for this, I guess. But, yeah, I just, I want um, physical activity fun to be accessible for everybody, I guess. And it not to be this thing that has to be aspirational. That's the other thing with skateboarding for a long time. It wasn't especially aspirational. It was like, I'm going to do something cool because it's mm-hmm. cool, not because I can make money off it, you know, turning everything into your side hustle grind lifestyle, you know. Um, but, Yeah. Yeah, I I thought I had solidified my thoughts on this, but I hadn't. <laughs> I mean, rollerblades are still cool. Uh, no, they've never are... been cool. No, mm, they've never been. Cool. I was told in the nineties. You were lied to in the nineties. Mm. <laughs> oh, also, Frank, I I was telling my I I was mentioned to my mom that we were recording. And she was asking if Sarah was going to be here. And I said, unfortunately, no, she's too busy and we need to get this out because it's already pretty late after the end of the games. And she said, oh, that's a shame. I don't know Frank, but I like Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) So mom has a favorite. I'm sorry to tell you. (laughs) Mm. Well, I'm just glad that you keep inviting me back at all. (laughs) 
<laughs> and also, I know I'm your mom's favorite because she's never met Sarah. So. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, I think that's we're just rambling now. So, and Kathleen never emailed me, so I don't think she's listened to this. Oh, that is good. I wanted to close the loop on that. That was the teaser from last time. It was, and we gave several additional weeks of opportunity. Yeah. She's she's. Apparently, she didn't ask my dad how. She did get mad at me for suggesting that. <laughs> and when I told my dad that I said that to her, he thought it was funny. So <laughs> Sounds like a good way to close the book on that. Yeah. And yeah. If, if Kathleen ever follows up and actually emails me, um, and I'll check my spam filter, which I haven't done. I get spam from Shutterstock all the time. So <laughs> it would be um, the Gmail way to send an actual email from my sister into a spam filter when they don't spam out, all, uh, when they don't filter out any of the spam I actually get. <laughs> I'm not here to plug competitive email clients. <laughs> I, I don't have any. I mean, I just use it because I'm familiar with it. Um, anyway. Remember to like, rate, subscribe, review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to, to us. I think they changed it. It's not even on iTunes anymore. I need to update this. Oh, no. Is it Apple Music? Apple Podcasts? It's something like Apple that. Apple Music? Yeah. Apple Casts. Apple they, Pod Music. They, they Apple split Noise. The purple icon. Apple Sounds. <laughs> Hear us on Apple Sounds. <laughs> and find us on Twitter at Olympic Size Cast. Or email us at olympicsizepodcast at gmail.com if you have any feedback. Or if you're my sister. All right. <laughs> Good night.